All of us want to live a blessed life. It has been like this forever. Just ask Eve. When she reached up into that tree and picked that apple or piece of fruit, whatever it was, she was reaching out for the blessed life. And when Adam took from her hand, he also sought to be a blessed person. Even as Moses wandered in the desert with the Hebrew people, and when they dreamed, when they lay down at night, their minds were filled with the promise of moving on toward a land that was filled with milk and honey. What does that look like? Well, I would imagine in their dreams, they saw a lot of cows and a lot of bees. What's on your dream list? I imagine it's quite different from theirs. But you have your list, don't you? I mean, Black Friday is approaching, right? If you don't have your list, just look in the ads in the paper today. Things to make life more blessed. And yet you know that your heart maybe is telling you something quite different. I know a couple in this church who get out in the mix for the Black Friday sales. I was talking with them and they said they don't get out to purchase anything. She said, oh, occasionally we may pick up something, but we go and sit in our lawn chairs in the parking lot and just observe the bedlam. People watching is a fascinating thing, but to do that and to observe what is happening on Black Friday is certainly a spectacle to be seen. This aggressive season of consumerism continues to amaze me. The history of the cornucopia, I thought, surely dated back to the pilgrims I was wrong. It predates the pilgrims by a millennium. The cornucopia can be found in its infancy in Greek mythology. Zeus taking the horn of his goat that he had accidentally broken off and filling it with blessings to present back to this precious God goat. It's fascinating to think about. I wonder if you have thought about the cornucopia today. Did you see this one on our altar? It is a sight to behold. 
the celebration of abundance. The good that we are given, the fruit that comes our way, represented here not only for what we have received, but for what we will receive. The story of the cornucopia, the blessings from God. You and I don't always have this on our mind. In fact, we are not aware of the blessings that are very near to us. Sue and I were preparing a meal in the kitchen when our girls were young. In fact, our oldest daughter was just barely in school and our youngest daughters were infants. Our oldest daughter, I guess she was about five or six years old. She was walking around and we were busying ourselves with the meal and the planning and the preparation. She walked over and opened our refrigerator and immediately the words spilled out of her mouth, God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Now, I don't usually think in those ways when I'm opening the refrigerator. In fact, there are some refrigerators that I've opened that have nearly scared me. You should see Sue's mother's refrigerator. I knew that as you think toward your blessedness, that you are especially drawn to the image of this cornucopia, which becomes an illustration for us of not letting a thing slip by that we are aware that God is blessing us and what a powerful image that is. I was behind someone in traffic recently. The car was aged and had many miles on it, but what was so wonderful was that this lady who was driving it had put a bumper sticker on it that said, I'm too blessed to be stressed. And I thought she's learned how to live. She is seeing the abundance that God has given to her in the midst of the simplicity of her life. Thanksgiving, I agree, is about remembering and giving thanks. Paul would say even better than that, we should be giving thanks for Christ and putting Christ first in all things. He is the image of the invisible God. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. You and I gathered at the polls less than two weeks ago in order to cast a ballot. And some of you woke up celebrating on Wednesday morning. Some of you woke up cringing on Wednesday morning. And we're not going to get into that here today. But I want to share with you that we get it wrong if we think that the most important thing is to recognize 
an earthly leader. We have but one king, and he is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Is there somebody that will say amen to that? We serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. His description here is powerful. He himself is before all things. In him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. It was in 1925 that the world was dealing with dictators and despots throughout Europe that were controlling humankind in very bad ways. And it was in that year, 1925, that Pope Pius XI decided that it was time to set things straight. This passage of scripture that we have before us today is specifically chosen to be read on this Sunday. You find it in not only the lectionary, you find it in the common lectionary, you find it in the revised common lectionary. It is to be read on this Sunday because this is the Sunday that we call Christ the King Sunday. This is the last Sunday of the Christian year. Next Sunday is the first Sunday in Advent, the start of the Christian year. But this Sunday, Pope Pius XI said, we call it now Christ the King Sunday in order that we might know that we do not follow an earthly king, but we follow a heavenly king. These words or a hymn that the Apostle Paul quoted, a hymn that was sung in early Christian worship. He is the image of the invisible God. Uh, If you were here last year, you will remember I said there ought to be a tune to this. And I had given myself permission to put a tune to it. And so I came up with a little tune that I sang in worship. I don't know that anybody would remember that, but myself, but it went like this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, and in him all things in heaven and on earth are created, are created. What I'm wanting to tell you is that what is fascinating And Francois, you're gonna have to try this because I didn't realize that by singing that little tune last year that I memorized that verse. (laughs) Tina, take notes, notes, he said. (laughs) I memorized that verse. It was an accidental memory, but it was this training ground for putting that into my brain. And don't we do this with children? What is that song that they know so well? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And they sing through the alphabet. 
learning those letters. Or maybe you have this one on your mind. I'm sure you're thinking about this one, right? That you use to teach children head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Stand up just a minute and do this with me. Stand up, stand up. Here we go. Stand up, stand up. Try this with me. Here we go. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Knees and toes. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Knees and toes. Eyes and ears and mouth and nose. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Knees and toes. You can sit down now. Very good. Very good. So y'all... You all remember this. You remember this. You know this song, not because you had to sit down and learn it, but because it was put in you by those who taught you those words through the music. Don't you think it to be a wonderful thing that the early church was singing They were singing these words. He is the image of the invisible God. This was a part of who they were. And when Paul prayed, he prayed his prayer of thanks with a song in his heart. With it in his mind, he looks at the cornucopia and when he sees the cornucopia, he sees visibly the presence of those early Christians that were gathered with him in worship. And those that he knew were worshiping from afar. In fact, if you turn to the fourth chapter, you see this list of names. Tychicus and Onesimus and Aristarchus, Mark and Barnabas and Justus and Epaphras and Hierapolis and Nympha. And in the church, to the church at Laodicea and Archippus. And all of these places and these people were so powerfully a part of his life. This is a prayer of hope, of the gospel being at work in their lives. In verse 10 of this passage of scripture this morning, it says, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work. And here is where I want to ask for you to reimagine the cornucopia because we have thought of it simply as being this place in which we recognize God's blessing for our lives. When you look at that, you think of the harvest, you think about this fruit, all of these things that God has given to you. That is not sufficient. If that is good enough for the Greeks, that's fine. But you and I must make something more in order that this image for us can be Christianized, can take on a meaning that is deeper and more relevant to the scripture that we are reading. It is not what we get but what we give that brings to us the greatest blessings in the world. This is the very nature of the story of Christ who said to his disciples, I am the vine 
and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me. You can do nothing. I knew a lady when we were living in Lyons, Georgia, who cared so for the poor children of that town that she would go around asking people in the congregation for the handouts of children's clothing. I asked her one day, what are you doing with those clothes and where do you keep them all? And she smiled and she said, in my trunk, in the trunk of her aged car that she drove. I said, what do you do? And she said, when I come upon a family and it is obvious that the children have very little to wear or what they are wearing is nearly worn out, I will say to them, oh, I happen to have clothes with me. Would you like some? And she said, we will walk over and open the trunk and I will let them choose clothes right out of my trunk. It was an incredible thing for me to learn. It was an inspiration and a blessing not only to the people who received the care, but it was an inspiration and a blessing to the lady who gave it. And I must tell you that it was an inspiration to the entire church that knew that this was going on. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And all of that comes by way of the work of the Lord. It happens for us as we give ourselves to bearing fruit in his good work. And so what is it that you will be doing over this next month? Let me give you a thought or two. Love the person that is standing in front of you. Whether that be a family member at home or whether it be the person in line in front of you at Walmart. Love the person that is standing right in front of you. Number two, take food to your neighbors, not only those that are in your neighborhood, but also those that may be outside of your neighborhood who, quite frankly, might be hungry or might be starved for a relationship. Number three, take care of your children and even volunteer to help take care of other people's children. Sometimes parents need a break. But when you're taking care of your own children, don't spend more time texting on your phone than you spend eye to eye with them. They long for your attention. Some of you have already prepared 
The shoe boxes for Operation Christmas Child. There's still time if you have not done that. The deadline is not today, the deadline is tomorrow. So you can get it done. Such a simple act as this can make an enormous difference in this world. That we may bear fruit so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work. This is First Fruit Sunday and many a gift has been given. It is an incredible thing, an incredible thing that $1 million has been pledged. There have been some really large gifts for which I am thankful. There have been some medium-sized gifts for which I am thankful. There have been some really small gifts for which I am thankful because all of this has added to an incredible, fruitful blessing, has it not? One year ago, one year ago nearly to the day, a man in this congregation came to me and at first I thought he was complaining. He said to me, he said, we've been talking about doing something for so long now. He said, don't you think it's time we did it? And he said, I mean no harm in this. He said, I just am ready to get busy and do something. And I looked at him and I realized that he had already made a resolution to move us toward a capital campaign. And he simply wanted me to sprinkle my blessings on it. And I said, you are right. He said, there's no telling what God might do. I of little faith said to him, again, you're right. If he had not had the idea Others had the idea as well, but if he had not had the resolution to come and say, now is the time, we would not be here today to celebrate that one million mark. Now granted, what happened in between when he said this and this day has been an enormous amount of work, right? Hasn't it been? Those of you who have been involved with the capital campaign realize just how much work we've done. But hasn't it been good work? Hasn't it been good work? Have you not received more blessing from it than given to it? This has been amazing to me. So I invite you to see all of this in a new way because for us, this should represent not just 
That's good. Good. Mm. Not just the blessings that God hands out to us, but the work that he calls us to participate in. And if you get that, your life will be blessed eternally. That God calls us to do his work and by doing his work we will receive blessing upon blessing. And you get this, I know you do. And in order to make sure that you get this, I wanna make sure that you come up here after the benediction and eat the fruit, literally. A lot of work went into this. Donna Bradley and Kathy Barnes have put this in place, but I told them, I said, wash the fruit (laughs) because it's gonna be eaten. And even if you're saying to me, I'm about to go and eat lunch, doesn't matter. Come up here and grab an apple and put it in your pocket and take it with you. Eat it later. But, but come up here and eat this fruit as a reminder to you that this is about the work that we are called to do. And there is blessing in the work. And you will remember. I know you will remember. I know you will remember. Just like when I come to you next year and ask you at this time if you remember about the cornucopia, you'll look at me and smile and without saying a word, you'll do this. (laughs) You've got this, don't you? Forever may the cornucopia be more meaningful to you.